Everybody doing okay tonight? Good, good, good. Tonight, um, I want to talk to you about the lordship of Jesus and what life looks like when submitted to him. So Acts chapter 2, verse 36, I'm just going gonna, gonna to start there. And I like to read in the Amplified, so a lot of what I share will be Amplified Classic. Um, it says, therefore, let the whole house of Israel recognize beyond all doubt and acknowledge assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ the Messiah. This Jesus whom you crucified. You know what? Let me pray. Father God, we bless you. We thank you that you are here. And God, as we endeavor um, to hear your word, as I endeavor, Lord God, to share what you've laid on my heart, Father God, I, I just ask God that your word will pierce the heart of every person here, mine included, Father God, that you would teach us, that you would reveal to us your will, and that you won't leave us the way we are. God, we are here because we are hungry for you. We want you. And we want our lives to be a reflection of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about Jesus as Lord. And often we, we casually refer to Jesus as Lord. And when I say casually, I mean, I think about, I, I like watching Kenneth Copeland. I used to, you know, when it used to go off, I used to say it with him, you know, he will have a great day and remember Jesus is, oh, look at you, y'all, yeah, see, yeah, we watch the same program. And if you grew up in church, you hear that all the time, Jesus is Lord. Some churches, you know, they have big lettering, you know, instead of a big screen like that, it might just say, Jesus is Lord. And so we see it, we hear it, but I don't think we really fully understand, or at least keep in mind, the weight of that word, Lord, Right? So if you look up that word Lord in the Greek, it is the word kurios. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And that word means Lord. It means master. It means a person exercising absolute ownership rights. It's having power or authority. It is deciding power. Um, it, it can also be defined as somebody who is a possessor, a decision maker over something. In fact, we all are Lord over something. You know, we all own something. You are Lord over something. Um, and this, this word, it refers to being sovereign. It's like a, a title of honor. Um, it's reverence. It's respect. Um, when we say Lord, when a servant says Lord to his master, it's a title of honor. Are, are you tracking with, with me tonight? So when we say that Jesus is Lord, here's what you are actually saying. You are actually saying Jesus is the one who completely owns me. So let's say it again. Jesus is Lord. Yeah, so I, we said it, and I don't want you to say it out of obedience, but when you say that, when you say Jesus is the one who completely owns me, is there substance behind what you just said? Is there substance behind what we just said? See, if Jesus is Lord over you, then he has complete authority and he has complete control over you. He has possession of your entire being. Matter of fact, what you have is not yours. It is his. He is Lord. 
If he is the Lord, then he is the one that actually leads your life. Let's talk about happiness, okay? So think, just think about your own life. What makes you happy? Um, is it getting what you want, how you want it, when you want it? Are you happy when you're comfortable? You know, is your comfort the chief issue? Or is it about loving God? Is it about serving others? So when we talk about happiness, think, I think about like my sons. Um, my baby girl can't talk yet, so I'll, I'll go with the sons. I'll, almost every day I hear, Daddy, look at me. Look at these muscles. Look at this backflip. I know, I don't know, what's something he's, I know 100 plus 100. Well, it's 200, you know, duh, but I know 100 plus 100. Isn't that cool? Aren't I so smart? Aren't you happy? Aren't you pleased? Think about a good employee, not just employee, a good employee. They delight in pleasing their employer. Think about an athlete. They want to please their coach. Think about a soldier. They want to please their commanding officer. Right. And so if, if this um, I don't want to necessarily call it secular, but just for lack of better words, I'll just call it if this secular, healthy, secular system works, it only works because the goal, the primary goal of those individuals is to please the one to whom has deciding power over them. And if it's that way in the world or for secular systems and structures, how much more should it be for us, for the believer, for, for the Christian? A am I right? And, and see, what happens is they find that it goes well for them when they please the one who has deciding power over them. It goes well for them when they please the one to whom they are accountable to. And it's the exact same thing for us. Won't it go well for you if you do right? Isn't that what God told uh, uh, Cain and Abel? Cain killed Abel. Ain't that what he told Cain? <laughs> Ain't that what he said? He said it, it would go well for you. You know, you, you, okay. I'll study that a little bit more. And so going back to the, top, the, the topic of happiness, see, we've all seen, if you have Facebook, um, we've all seen these celebrities or just anybody in general, um, they'll, they'll come out and they'll make this statement. They'll say, hey, I'm leaving Christianity. And in a way, I just recently found this new term. It's, it's called, they call it reverse evangelism. Like, if you're going to leave the faith, why not just leave the faith? But no, instead, they put a video up. They write like a half a book on Facebook. And they're saying, hey, I'm happy now. Don't worry about me. Don't be sad for me. All my Christian friends, like, I'm happy. Don't, I'm so free now. Like, and so what they're saying is, I am coming from under the lordship of Jesus. I am seeking to be make myself happy. I'm seeking to be Lord of my own life. Come along with me. You'll be happy. You'll be free, free from under. It's just a wrong view of God to think that he's a tyrant in that way, but that's the wrong perspective. And so that's, that's what they do. But here's the thing. Your happiness apart from the Lordship of Jesus places you as the Lord of your life. And that's a problem. Say this with me. He is Lord over all. Oh, come on, say it again. He is Lord over all. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and we'll, we'll read through verse 11. And I'm reading it in the Amplified. It says this. Let the same attitude and purpose 
and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God, God did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant slave in that he became like men and was born a human being. I just like reading all of that. So, and after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further. Somebody say lower still. He carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That's important. Say every name. And that in at the name of Jesus, every knee, say every knee. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue, say every tongue shall frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The point I'm trying to get is that every knee, every tongue, and the name above all names, but I feel like you can't negate what I said before that. Think, think of what I'm saying. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Matter of fact, he said the heavens can't contain me. Like, like they just, I'm big, like God who created all things, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. Are you getting the point? He's big. This God came as a seed in a woman to be subject to his own creation that he created. Lower still. So then on top of that, he didn't come as a king. He came as a slave. Is The Bible says he came without form. He came without comeliness. There was no beauty that we should desire him. Somebody say lower still. And so then what he did, he humbled himself. He humbled himself so low that his obedience caused him, this extreme obedience, it caused him to give his life on a cross for you. For, I don't know why you're looking at me like that. This is what Jesus did for you. This is God being reduced to a seed born of a woman who did this for you. Lower, lower lower still. And so because he did that, God, the father has exalted him because he did that. He is the only one worthy that every knee should bow. He's the only one that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. Are you tracking with me tonight? So all means all. So everything he's Lord over all, every person, every being every uh, every bit of creation it is subject to and beneath the authority of Jesus it does not matter how much the world resists the lordship of Jesus you watching at home it does not matter how much you resist the lordship of you might be in this room it does not matter how much you resist the lordship of Jesus it does not negate the fact that he is lord overall And at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. If you are in this room and you are running from the Lordship of Jesus, if you're watching online, if you're listening or watching at a later date, listen, I in love, I counsel you to bow your knee tonight, to confess him as Lord tonight. Today is the day of salvation. 
Say amen if you're with me. He's Lord, he's Lord over all. Listen, he's Lord over sickness. Acts 10, 38 says how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God. Listen, if you have sickness in your body tonight, he's Lord over it. You can leave here whole tonight. The doctor gives you a bad report. Whose report are you going to believe? He's Lord. He's Lord over death. Listen, if Jesus, if Jesus is still in the tomb, Jonathan, you are still in your sin. He's alive. Jesus is like, he's, he's the Lord over the plan of the devil. Remember um, when, when Adam sinned, he gave away the authority that God had gave mankind. But Jesus got up out of the grave, y'all. And in Matthew 28, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. He is, somebody say it again, Jesus is Lord. So you say, Joshua, that sounds good. You are hype on life right now. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You're not, you're, you're just young. You're just a baby. You're not qualified to talk about Jesus as Lord over all these areas of my life. You don't know my story. Listen, we all have a story. You may have heard, you may have heard my, my wife and I's story uh, before. I won't go into great detail um, with it, but um, probably I would say the hardest, the darkest season of our life. We had a miscarriage, and then right after that, we got pregnant again, and we carried this baby to term. His name is Grayson, but he was, uh, we had him as a stillborn. It was a stillbirth. So I got to tell you, listen, how, how do I tangibly make Jesus his Lord? Here's the answer. It's, it's simple, not easy. You choose to. You choose to. I remember um, having to, d- day one, make the choice to get out of bed. And then the next day, make the choice to get out of bed. I'm just speaking on my behalf, not speaking on behalf of my wife. I had to make the choice with with pain in my heart with confusion in my mind I had to make the choice to get out of out of bed I had to make a choice to continue to open up this bible and although everything my circumstance was saying your God is not good my circumstance my flesh was telling me the devil was telling me that but I had to make a choice to see that he's good and I and I remember um having to say you know what Lord I'm just can I are we family tonight I remember saying, Lord, I don't even know if I can trust you. And it wasn't that I felt like God caused those things to happen. You had to blame somebody, right? So I, I just blamed him. And I remember saying, God, I don't even know if I can trust you. But what I did, here's what I did. I made a choice. I hear this again. I had to make a choice to trust him with a little, with a, with a small area. It's so small that if you drop the ball, it really don't matter. You, like, oh, wait, he didn't fail right there, though. So let me give him a little bit more. And he, and, and he, didn't, he didn't fail there either. And slowly but surely, listen, his love, his mercy, his kindness, it began to tear down all this stone that I had built up around my heart. The lordship of Jesus saved my life. Woo! The lordship of Jesus will save your life. And as he began to just love me and minister to me, I found out that he never stopped loving me. I found out that um, he had always been faithful. 
the lordship of Jesus. And so maybe you are in a trying season right now. Maybe you are, uh, I mean, you're between a rock and a hard place. Maybe you suffered loss. Maybe, I don't know, you're dealing with infertility. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe it's anxiety. I don't know. But he's faithful, man. He is so faithful in the lordship of Jesus. You surrendering your life to his lordship will change everything. It will change everything. Listen, Jesus is my Lord. Here's the question, though. Is he yours? Is he yours? Like, are, are you all in? Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the season, are you all in? And in Revelations 3, it talks about Jesus will vomit out of his mouth the lukewarm believer. You might say, I think God would understand the season. Listen, Jesus was on a boat, sleep, and they said, Master, wake up. Don't you care that we perish? And he got up and said, where's your faith? So when I say that Jesus will vomit out of his mouth the lukewarm believer, it is because with Jesus concerning his lordship, it's only black and white. There is no gray area. There is no middle ground. You are either all in or you are or you're not. Jesus is so good, though, he gives us the choice. We get to choose if we actually, if he is actually Lord. But remember, if he is actually Lord, you have no rights. If he is actually Lord, you have no opinion. We abandon ourselves and we live wholly and completely unto him. So here's an example. Let's look at it this way. I can say all day that I have a great marriage. I do. Y'all say hi, Keisha. No, that's not everybody. Say hi, Keisha. Listen, obedience is the key to your breakthrough. Listen. I, um, I could say all day, I can say all day that I have a great marriage. I can do all the right, we can, the whole public display affection thing. I can be on Facebook posting how great of a marriage we have, blah, blah, blah. But she would be able to better tell you if we have a good marriage based on how I treat her. If in our marriage, all I do is really dismiss her and disregard everything she has to say, she would tell you that our marriage is not good. Or I could be a Christian. I could uh, praise the hardest. I could know all the scriptures. You know, you ask me how I am. I'm blessed, highly favored child of the most high God, tongue talking, shadow throwing believer, kingdom kid. Like I can say all of those things. And I could fool you into saying Joshua is really on fire for the Lord. He has this amazing relationship with with the Lord but you want to know how you can tell if it's real John chapter 14 verse 15 real simple if you really love me you keep you obey my commands it doesn't matter I can come here every Sunday I can come here every Wednesday I can shaka baba all I want Jesus does Joshua really love you well, he keeps my commands. That's how you know. So obedience is the only proof that you love God. I'll say it again. Obedience is the only metric that proves your love for God. If you go back, we just read it in Philippians chapter 2. If you look in, in verse 8, it says that obedience led him to give his life. And I had you say lower still, lower still, because I wanted to emphasize his humility, his humility 
gave way to his obedience. Your humility will give way to your obedience. Joshua, what are you, what are you saying? The, the humble person does not have an issue with coming under the lordship of Jesus. It is the prideful person who has that issue that seeks to live their life above the lordship of Jesus. The book of Proverbs tells us that uh, pride comes before the what? It comes before the fall. Again, I said it earlier, it goes well for you if you live to please the Father. Amen? And in the same way, y'all, this is how it works with, you know, with sin. So you're struggling with something in your life. You fall more in love with Jesus as you read his word, seek to obey his word. And what happens is he, re- he reveals himself to you in this real way. And you read, you read this book, you read his heart on paper, and you see his love for you, and then you love him more. So then what happens is the things that you, uh, you attempt to do for him, it's not based in your strength. It's not based on your works. It's all coming out of your love for him. Again, how do you prove your love for him, though? You have to obey. You have to keep his commandments. Are you with me? Are you with me? Two questions for you. Keeping your obedience in mind. Really examine yourself right now. If you keep your obedience in mind, have you given Jesus complete ownership of your life? But look at your obedience. Look at the filter of your obedience. Have you really given Jesus complete ownership of your life? He is a gentleman and he won't force you to love him. He won't force you to obey him. So it's your choice. Here's my second question. What does it really mean for Jesus to be your Lord? Practically, here's what it looks like. It means that he has all the say in your life from start to finish. If he says, move, then what do you think? You move. If he says, go there, you go. If he says, stop hanging out with those people, you leave them. You stop hanging out with them. People. If you're doing something in, in your life that you know uh, hurts him, that grieves him, it means you stop. Because if you don't stop, what are you trying to do? You're trying to live above the lordship of Jesus. Are you with me? If Jesus is Lord, then there is the fear of God, which we so desperately need in the body of Christ. Reverence, honor, respect. Who are you living to please, him or yourself? That's a good metric. Do I have the fear of God? In this moment, am I seeking to make myself happy or, or his? And another thing you can also keep in mind, Luke 11, the model, the model prayer. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Here it is right here. Hallowed be your name. Then he says, your kingdom come. And then he says, your will be done. No mention of us so far. The person under the lordship of Jesus, you seek to live your life Unto him first, Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. He, he won't miss you if you take care of him first. Galatians 2.20. Y'all know this one. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith and the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. According to this scripture, if you've been crucified with Christ, then you truly are dead. The only way you're alive is Christ alive in you. Does that make sense? And so what does that mean? It means, and 
This is a challenge. It means every desire, y'all. It means every longing, every dream, your ambitions, whether they are good, whether they are bad, whether they came from him, whether they didn't come from him, it looks like you yielding and giving those things to him. Those things pale in comparison to his actual desire for you. They pale in comparison to what he actually longs to do for and in you. You know, are you tracking with me? Are y'all still awake? I remember, I mean, I think I can sing okay. And I remember um, when I, I used to, I used to want, I used to want to, I used to want to lead worship, but I used to want to do it on the big stage, man. I used to want to, listen, the mega church, the, the stadium, the conference, the arena. I mean, like, you know, even now I watch some guys on YouTube my, and my flesh get, I'm like, they good, but come on, you know. And, um, I, you know, I have, I have friends. I have guys that I have played with at church who are, like, topping charts right now. I got guys that I know who have been on tour with, like, gospel artists, and I'm just like, Jesus, you did it for them. Like, I can, like, ah. come on, God. You know, but I, I remember, I, I, I've been on, na- personally, I've been on national television a couple of times. I've, I mean, I've, listen, I've done stuff. I've been in rooms with people, and I don't say that to brag on myself. That's why you've never heard me say it. I'm only using it as a sermon ex- example. I've never heard you say it. And, um, but I remember when God said, hey, I don't want you to use your voice to compete in a competition anymore. Okay. And then I remember when, you know, he said, hey, like, I don't want you to seek or pursue that dream. I have a different dream for you. And I, I, okay, I gave, you know, I gave that up to him as well. But then I can also remember, y'all, the moment he opened my eyes up, really opened my eyes up to see how blessed I really am. To actually show me that his way is, is truly better. I have this beautiful family, amazing wife. I have this fantastic pastor and church family and friends and loved ones. And I'm not just saying that because you're in my face. Like, I love you. And I'm so glad to do life with you. And I remember when he showed that to me and I just like, you know what, God, you are amazing. Your will is the safest place. It's the most blessed place there is. You can only find it under the Lordship of Jesus. We often take these things, like my talent, my gift, though, and we make an idol for them. We take these gifts that God gave us, and we put them as tools in the hand of the enemy to keep us away from God, though. Y'all remember Abraham and Isaac? Like, God approached Abraham, promised him a son. Like, said, I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those. Like, if I'm Abraham, I'm like, God, you approached me, and then you make me wait 25 years for a son? Unbelievable, right? And then one day he says, get up, take your son and sacrifice him. God, you, what do you mean? Like you gave me this son. You gave me this talent. You gave me this dream. And now you're asking for it back? That makes no sense in the natural. Am I right? Or do y'all just willingly give stuff up for the Lord? Okay. That's in Genesis 22. I want, I want, to, I want to read this part for you, though. I'm almost done. Genesis 22. I'm going to start at uh, verse 10. So Abraham, he obeys. He takes Isaac up and he binds him. And then it says um, in verse 10, 
And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took hold of the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, you answered. Oh, he answered. Excuse me. Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear and revere God since you have not held back from me or begrudged giving me your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and glanced around and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering and an ascending sacrifice instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. In the King James, it actually says Jehovah Jireh. The, the reason we have a hard time giving to God is because in that season, in that moment or whatever, we think we can do it better. We think we know better. We, in that moment, if we're being honest with ourselves, we do not trust the Lordship of Jesus. But what happened right here is that Abraham trusted God and then the Lord provided. Okay, let me say it differently. So, uh, uh, God, I don't want to give this thing to you because I think I can do it better. And he says that I will. He says, but Lord, if I give this thing to you, how will I, how will I provide for my family? Lord, if I give this thing to you, how can I uh, say that I actually heard from God or that I'm being led by the God. Like we think there will be a deficiency. We think there'll be a void. We think he'll fail to meet our need, but it's only under the Lordship of Jesus where provision is provided though. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? God is not obligated to provide where there is no obedience. He's not obligated to provide if you aren't seeking to live under his Lordship. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? And, And I think that's the big problem. Those of us who know better, who know that Jesus is Lord, who know that we ought to trust him with all our heart, that we ought to acknowledge him. It's just so hard to trust. It's scary, right, to trust a person you cannot see. My friend, you know what that's called? Faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. So it's scary. And this is this is what it is to be a Christian. It's to trust a man that we know is real, we have his spirit on the inside of us. You know, he confirms his word. He takes care of us. All of creation makes known that God is real and that he exists. And at the same time, when he says, give me that thing that's most dear to you, that's most precious to you. When he says, trust me with your future. When he says, leave your family, Joshua, leave what you've always known. Go to Raleigh. Yeah, Lord, I gladly go to Raleigh. But it's the unknown that scares you, right? So you're, so I'm wrapping up. Let's go to Matthew 7, verse 21. So you're someone who says, you know, I, Jesus is Lord. Like, he uses me mightily. I had a phone conversation with a, a young lady the other day, and um, I had the opportunity to give her the gospel. But I asked her, um, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? She answered, Pastor Cameron and I have been around some people, and, and he's heard me ask this question, and they go, uh, 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 uh. I say, no, you're probably not going to make it. You just, <laughs> am I right? I just like, no, you're probably not, you're probably not going to make it. If you don't know, you don't know, right? And so, um, but this young lady, like, quickest answer, she said, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, I, you know, I, so you believe this, you believe that, you believe this, yes, 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 yes. But see, what she was saying, it didn't match what we read in John. 
She wasn't obeying his commandments. I'm not telling you all her business, but I'm saying the, the fruit, the fruit was there. And she's like, I know that Jesus is Lord. And I said, well, let me read this passage to you. Verse 21, chapter seven of Matthew. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. And that's that same word in the Greek, kurios. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will, there it is again, of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many mighty works in your name? And then I will say to them openly, publicly, I never knew you. Like I never knew you. Not I once knew you. We were once good friends. Jesus says, I have no account that we were ever friends. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly. Here it is again, amplified. Disregarding my commands. That's heavy. When you look up that word wickedly, it alludes to lawlessness, iniquity, disobedience. It is sin. You mean when I don't obey God, he counts it as sin? Yes. 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 Church, if I'm being honest, sadly, this will be the fate of many believers. They said we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We've done many mighty works. I bet you not many of us have said we've cast out demons in here. I bet you not many of us have say, will say like, can say with that amount of boldness, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. Like as if we have a right to enter the kingdom of God based on that. But that isn't the prerequisite. See how deceived we can be? That isn't the prerequisite. I can, listen, I can sing and we can enter into the fifth heavens. And I can say, Lord, Sunday after Sunday after Wednesday after Wednesday, I did this, I did that. And he'll say, I never knew you, though, because you failed to keep my commandments. It is sin. If you truly love the Lord, if he truly is your Lord, then you have to do the will of the Father. Somebody say, do the will. So how do you reach this place of submission? Easy. You love Make Jesus your first love. And your heart, Pastor says it all the time, uh, your heart follows what you give attention to. So if you're not in your word every day, and I do mean every day, if you're not praying every day, if you're not meeting Jesus, I don't mean checking a box. If you aren't meeting the Lord daily, then you aren't giving your attention and your heart isn't following. And if he does not have your heart, I assure you, he does not have your obedience. So let's examine, examine our lives right now. Listen, just take inventory. What do I give most attention to in my life? Is it Facebook? Is it Candy Crush? Is it working out? You know, like what do I give most of my attention to? Secondly, what is a small, so if you're struggling with Jesus being Lord, what is a small Lure area of your life that you can begin to submit to the Lord.